What's happening, weirdos? Okay. I like. I was like, you pointed to me, and I was like, what is it? Get into it. Uh, keep it crispy. What is it? That's what I wonder. Yeah. Hey guys, we missed you last week. Where Where were you? <laughs> yeah. Where were you? It was us. Where were we last week? We forgot. <laughs> we didn't forget. We, we didn't have a nanny. We didn't have a nanny, but we were gonna do it while she napped, and then I no. think we just totally forgot. Well, we didn't have any help, and it would have been like a 20-minute episode anyway, the way Leah's napping. So a week off, and now we have a nice uh, full one here. Yep, that's So we're right. excited that you guys are here. And tomorrow, if you're listening to this the day it comes out, but on April 10th, uh, we are doing a live You Made It Weird. Me and Val will be talking with Jason Schwartzman yep. with music and chatting from Matt Berninger from The National, Serpentine Prison. He'll be uh, premiering two... Two... Uh, songs, which really? he, he already shot, but they're only going to air with us Amazing. and for you guys. Uh, and we're so excited everybody's going to be there and you'll be able to ask us questions in the chat. We'll be able to interact with you guys and ask, answer questions if you have any in real time. So we're really, really excited. That's tomorrow night. Get tickets at PeteHolmes.com. I'm so excited. It's going to be so fun. Too. I've been really like looking forward to this specifically. Me too. Uh, just I think having, I mean, obviously the dream would be that we could all be in the same room, but at least having it all happen in real time feels just like we'll have the energy of all being yeah, together. Something to do together. Yeah. So we hope to see you there. It's pay what you want uh, just because not everybody's been able to work. Um, so pay what you want. Yep. But we appreciate it. Yeah. Help support the show and the and the people on it and the people putting it together, if you can. Speaking of on it. <laughs> just kidding. Speaking of on it. Also, a way to support this podcast anytime and try something that I truly like is to get a Pete's pick or a Pete and Val's pick here on the uh, Friday episodes. The first Pete's pick is uh, Alpha Brain by On It right here on the desk. I just took a couple before the episode. Always feel it. Always swear by it. For the past six or seven years... I have not done a podcast or a stand-up set or written or gone to work or even gone on a date without taking some Alpha Brain beforehand. It is a nootropic that helps support memory and focus. It is earth-grown ingredients. It's not a stimulant. It's not like caffeine. It doesn't make you all jacked. It just gives you uh, the nutrition that your brain needs to function at its highest. I love it. I wish I knew about it in college. I'm so glad I know about it now. It really is a secret weapon for me. So many of the writers that I work with, other performers that I work with, have been turned on to it, uh, and they love it and swear by it. So the best way to know if it's going to help you is to try it. And you can even get 10% off and show your support of this podcast by going to onnit, O-N-N-I-T dot com slash weird, and you will get 10% off everything you see on that landing page. And do your noodle good. Do your noodle good, guys. Do your noodle good. Man, it's such a wonderful key to accessing my brain and my creativity, and I really hope you like it. The other one is a newer one, is Liquid IV, which both Val and I have been taking. Mm -hmm. You know I love my sauna. Val loves to dance. We both love to go on hikes. Uh, and I've made Liquid IV a part of my sauna and exercise routine. It's great for after workouts. They have tons of testimonials that say it's great with hangovers. It's even great when I'm just sitting down to work and want my body running smoothly and clearly because hydration is one of the best secrets to overall wellness and a clear, sharp mind. So for 2021, after so much hibernating, we're trying to hike more. 
and we're trying to stay hydrated while we do it. I've just started doing that with the help of my favorite hydration product, Liquid IV. One stick, so it's a powder, a delicious flavored powder with the right nutrients in it that you pour in water, put in 16 ounces of water, you get two to three times the amount of hydration as plain water. Two to three times. One serving is the same as two to three bottles, contains five essential vitamins, more vitamin C than an orange, and as much potassium as a banana, healthier than sugary sports drinks. There's no artificial flavors or preservatives, and there's less sugar than one apple. It's made with clean ingredients, non-GMO, vegan, no dairy, gluten, or soy. And they're a wonderful give-back company. With every purchase you make, they donate a serving to someone in need around the world. That's disaster zones, hospitals, impoverished communities, first responders. As of December 2020, they've donated over 9 million servings. It comes in incredible flavors that we love. They have watermelon, lemon-lime, passion fruit, which is Val's fave. (laughs) And they just launched strawberry, which is like a fresh picked strawberry with just a sousson of whipped cream. It's truly amazing. So grab some strawberry liquid IV or their other great flavors in bulk nationwide at Costco, or you can get 25% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use promo code WEIRD at checkout. That's 25% off everything you order when you use promo code WEIRD at liquidiv.com. So get better hydration today at liquidiv.com. Promo code weird. Get into it. Oh, shit. Enjoy. We missed hanging out with you guys virtually last week. We're so glad to be back. Hope to see you tomorrow. Hope to see you tomorrow. Get into it. Get get into it. (laughs) There we go. It's recording. Oh, my God. It's happening. We got it. We got it. We got the beat. We, we got, got the beat, we got the beat. Yeah, we got the beat. There's a yeah. I know, but it... Okay, <laughs> full disclosure, like this is a confession for this podcast. Here's a couple things you need to know, okay? Right. One... The ABCs of us right now, okay? These are the ABCs or me. It's boring, but it's my life. <laughs> One, I just installed... Uh, Big Sur, which is an operating system for the the Apple Macintosh computer. And it has completely uh, fucked my computer in the ear hole with a huge slobbery. Now, my if my mom does listen to this, she'll stop here. There you go. That's the way to get her to... Just we'll some just filth. Do, we'll just do a barbed wire of, of filth. filth. Yes. Yeah. Uh, okay, so that's the other thing you need to know. One is I just installed Big Sur... So the computer is sort of fucked, and I hope we can do this. Uh, also, don't install Big Sur if your computer is three years old, apparently. Yeah. Fuck you! It's so funny. I can't fully say fuck you, Apple, because they do make miracle machines that, you know, enhance our lives. Yeah. So I'm not going to, like, completely turn on them, but, but like, come on. And, you know, like, At I'm least not- warn me. Say, like, is your computer one year old then you can handle this also do you think it's the kind of thing where they're trying to get you to buy to a new buy computer. A new computer and you know who's the guy who buy, just goes fuck it I'll buy a new computer you Abby. you said that immediately and I was like surely there's another way this, I, is, just a, this is a brand new computer we shouldn't give them this data this feedback yeah but the truth is everything was fucked I couldn't run anything uh, we couldn't even do what we're doing now. Right now we're doing what we're doing now, but it's sluggish. But I couldn't even do this. And I went inside and I said, I'm just going to buy a new computer. I mean, 
I couldn't. The type of frustration I get, the type of frustrated I get from technology, just technology that can't even run for you to fix it. Yeah. Like you can't even use it to fix itself. Oh, yeah. So anyway, it's boring, but it's my life. <laughs> yes. The other thing you need to know is that my mom just visited for five days. And five she, days. Stayed with us for five days. She was here in the home, in the in the Holmes house, Holmes Cheney house. And she just left. So mama, if you, if you hear this, I want to be very clear up top. One, <laughs> so sorry for the filth up top. Two, call me and I'll explain what Big Sur is. Three... We loved the visit. That's completely honest. It, I think it was the best visit I've it was ever seen. Hands down, the best visit we've ever had of, of you guys, of me and my mom. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Usually, there's one little maybe dust up, maybe two, mm-hmm. just some sort of boundary frustration. There was none of that. Yep. We hung out with Leela. I I waited on her, which she really loved. Yeah, and I did too. So yes, and you did too, (laughs) absolutely. And that was sort of that was telling. She's sort of old enough uh, now. She won't like that, but it's true (laughs) that she does need help. And my mom loves being helped. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it really does feel like. I think she would agree with this, even if she listens to this. It does feel like we've unlocked. Like you. You've done so much work and therapy and you've had so many different phases of relationship with your mom. Mm. And it's as long as I've been around, been like such a constant struggle for you both. And I think we feel I feel like we've cracked the code, which is we just serve her as if she were our queen yeah. and everything is at peace. If we can just be I, okay with being like, guys, anything you want, I will get it for you while I, you're here. Yep. Uh, it, it made everything better. Well, okay. So we talk a lot about spirituality. Hi, I'm Sting. I'm not British. Wait, isn't he? He's British. They should have been called the Bobbies. Uh, uh, what? He's British, isn't he? Isn't Sting British? Yeah. Then they should have been called the Bobbies. Do they really call their police the Bobbies? Yes. If you're in London <laughs> and you're on the street and you say, I need a Bobby, it's like saying I need a cop. They don't oh. call them. But if the band was called Cops, you'd say you should have called it Bobbies. Yeah. It's like a slang. Them. It's like cabbie. That's right. Yeah. But Bobby. Yeah. And then if, if they arrest you, you call them Robert. Or maybe it's as if. <laughs> That's the joke. That's the joke. <laughs> Uh, oh, we're so happy to be talking to you guys. Oh, uh, yeah. Sorry. No, it wasn't even worth it. It, it was just, worth it. I didn't mean to interrupt. I was just having a moment of gratitude's a good attitude. You know what I mean? Gratitude's a good attitude. Yeah. We're just feeling very, there is like a type of, you know, it's a similar feeling to when we've been with Lee for a very, very long time and we get a babysitter that's the kind of relief and freedom yeah. I'm feeling. Right it's now. not based on I, I don't like that person because, of course, when we get relief from Lee, we're doing this so carefully. Why did my mom have to threaten I to know. listen? I know. Okay, look, I'm I'm going to make a bet that she's not going to listen. Okay. And if she does, it's okay because she's got a great sense of humor. Hear that, mom? You've got a great sense of humor. <laughs> Remember that? <laughs> I do want to share this technique because it was a real life-changing technique. I want to give credit right up top to Byron Katie and the work. It's definitely based on that. Mm -hmm. It's also got some Richie Rohr flavor in there as well. Mm -hmm. So, but 
regardless of footnoting where it came from, I think it might help people. And I'm really excited because it helped me. Mm-hmm. So I've tried other things. I've tried uh, the yes and approach. No matter what she says, you just go with it. Mm-hmm. You know, you just yes and. And, and that's sort of ba- that sort of bled into this new theory a little bit. Meaning, instead of trying to like correct somebody if they're being negative, just be negative. That's mm-hmm. what I thought I was going to do. Mm-hmm. I've also tried, and this does not work, the um, holier than thou, like spiritual, I'm going to do a mantra in my head. And whenever there's something to say, I'm just going to say, I love you so much. I'm so glad you're here. But there's no like real engagement with you as a personality. Yeah. So my mom does not like that. Yeah. she get, That's like her least favorite. She gets worse. So if you just sort of smile at her vacantly yeah. and love her as a vessel of the divine, that's not satisfying to her at all. Mm-hmm. And I completely understand. You're just sort of like, you're being a love and lighter. Mm-hmm. It's like I should be wearing a, a white robe and just sort of like smiling at her. But there's nothing um, custom about that. Yeah. There's nothing personal about that. Yeah. So what my mom, what would happen is we'd end up fighting because I think she would see that I was just trying to placate her. Yeah. And she hates being placated. And I could, again, I'm on her side kind of on this. Mm-hmm. Like nobody just wants to be smiled at vacantly like a cult member. Yeah. Which is something that I would try to do to try and like stay enlightened even with your parents, right? Yeah. Um, so she would sort of start a fight and then we would end up fighting. And then after the fight, there would be this really beautiful phase of reconciliation, mm-hmm. which I think was subconsciously the point of the fight was like, oh, yeah. let's stop. Stop your strategy. It's not working for me. So I'm going to push you into the real. Yeah. It's one of the reasons why my mom is so funny and even though she's, you know, a little cuckoo bananas sometimes, she's an enjoyable person to be around because she's got opinions, as you would say, and and mm-hmm. she wants real stuff. Yeah. She doesn't want to baloney around. She wants to call it like it is and, and get you to talk to her, frankly, as well. Yeah. So real quick, this is the method. I call it the burn it down method. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just made, I made that up. Whenever my mom, and I'll give you an example would say or do something that was against my hope of what she would say or do. Mm-hmm. Meaning when I was at odds with reality, mm-hmm. I would say, yes, yes, burn it down, burn it to the ground. Mm. Um, anything that isn't real, mm-hmm. burn it down. So yeah. what's not real in this example, and, and that's what where Byron Katie comes in, is I'm arguing with reality. So I'm insane. So when my mom, I started seeing her as a fierce teacher and a fierce teaching Mm -hmm. because she would not tolerate or whatsoever my fabricated make-believe reality where I was like, for example, my mom should think it's cool that I'm a stand-up. She should think that's great. Mm -hmm. And she does in her own way. But then we were talking. I already told you this, my love, but she goes, you know... You know, the night your special on HBO premiered, I also went to uh, a gospel choir at at Grace. And me and a bunch of our friends, we went to the choir. And then we all went home and watched your special. And it was like going to heaven and then being dragged down to hell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she called my watching my special dragging her down to hell. Which, by the way, I think has a lot to do with the fact that she watched it with a bunch of church people. Mm-hmm. But still... So in that moment, my normal response would be to be offended. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, but I want my mom 
to think it's great that I'm a stand-up and think it was the funniest thing she had ever seen and she was overflowing with pride and all this stuff. But that's not what's happening. Yeah. So you look at it like, I, I look at it as like a good hell. Mm. Meaning one of the understandings of the metaphor of hell is that it's burning everything that's fake. Mm-hmm. Everything that isn't God gets burnt up. Mm-hmm. And that became part of the practice. I go, good, yes, burn it down. Yeah. I could feel, the other example that might be more clear is, she sat in this chair that we have in our living room and she was like, I love this chair. Get me this chair. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to get her this chair. And I immediately, it's kind of an expensive chair. It's a very expensive chair. And I started thinking, oh, wow, I'm such a good son. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to buy her this chair and all of her little lady friends and my dad and everybody's going to be so impressed that I'm a good son and I bought her this chair. And everybody that comes over is going to see the chair. What is that? That's false self. Yeah. That's me building up my ego. Yeah. And then I order it. Mm-hmm. And then she's sitting in it. And then she does, she goes like, I can't use this. I can't, this, this lever is no good. I don't like it. She goes, cancel it. Yeah. And I'm just like, I don't know if you know that <laughs> feeling of spending a lot of money on something. And then someone thinking it'll earn you more love too. Mm-hmm. And then she's like, cancel it. And you're like, "Ah!" you have to like scramble to try to cancel the order before they do it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then I was like, wait, no, burn it down. Burn it to the ground. That idea of me being a special boy is just a story I'm telling myself. It's not real. Mm -hmm. So I would welcome the flames of reality. And every time she started to, quote unquote, bug me, mm-hmm. I, if I remembered to say, yes, yes, burn it down, mm. leave nothing but reality. Yeah. Leave, reality reigns. Yeah. You wish she wasn't this way. She is this way. So the problem is you going, I wish she wasn't that way. That's the insanity. Mm-hmm. That's what's not real. And the cleansing, purging fire of God came from my sort of... Hard to please at times, mother. Yeah. How else is it going to get to me? Yeah. I don't have an oracle. It comes that way. Yeah. It comes through pain or, or discomfort until I realize that the discomfort is being caused by my arguing with what is. So it became a wonderful visit. I wasn't placating her. I wasn't ignoring her. In fact, I was listening and taking in what she said yeah. completely. Yeah. She would say something. We were eating pizza. I got vegan pizza. She got regular pizza. And she was like, um, I got regular pizza. And it, and they had to milk the cows. And Peter thinks it hurts their udders so much. <laughs> so she's making fun of me for being a vegan. <laughs> yes, yes, burn it down. <laughs> that self-righteousness that I have yeah. for being a vegan and, and for knowing that it's so much more than uncomfortable udders, that environmental issues and, and animal rights, or whatever it is, yeah. burn it the fuck to the ground, torch me. <laughs> and then I started to, this is insane, but you start to look forward to the next thing she's going to say that's going to make you instantly sweat and you go, Yes, it's 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 shining a a searchlight like a mm. spotlight on my own delusion. Mm-hmm. It's like a little death. Yeah, it's like a rehearsal for death. When we're dying, we have to go. Yes, let it go. That's not me. If mm-hmm. it can break, if it can snap, if it can get age spots, if it can get disease, that's not the real me. Yeah. Burn it to the ground. Get it out of here until nothing is left. We could call, say God. But God, or you could say, but reality, yeah. but the mystery, but my real self. So I was like, wow, yeah. mom is a close shave. 
But the cuts come when I'm pushing her away. Just let her shave me. I was like, ah, <laughs> yes, fucking kill me. Yeah. That's what I was saying. Kill me. Sorry, I'm talking so much. But the mantra for the whole visit was, I'm too attached to my own comfort. Mm-hmm. I'm too attached to my own mood, mm-hmm. my own good mood, my own happy home, whatever it might be, my own ability to do what I want and nobody belittles me or makes fun of me or whatever. I was like, that's bullshit. It's an ego trip. Yeah. Bring in the close shave of my mom. So that I hope that helps anybody uh, because it really changed my life, this visit. Yeah, I... I saw, I mean, I saw that. And I also want to give you the credit for, you still had moments of being, usually in the evening, of being really tired or, you want me to move closer? Yeah, to the mic. Um, Being really tired uh, or, you know, even like pushing back a little bit, not to the point of getting in a fight. But I just want to be clear as somebody who witnessed this, it wasn't like you were completely denying your own feelings in the moment. I wasn't too masochistic. If I I would put my hand on my chest, Mm. like you taught me to comfort my child self, and Mm -hmm. I was like, you're safe, I got you. Mm -hmm. But it was this paradoxical way of getting my comfort, protecting myself. Yeah. I was like, it's, it's like, like when you're having a, this go. when you're having a bad LSD trip or something. They say if you're if something's trying to eat you, let it eat you. Yeah, because the nightmare is always running from a vampire or yeah. running from a Frankenstein or whatever it might be. So I was going like, I'm protecting you by like you taught me mm-hmm. taking my child self. It's too vulnerable for this. I'm going to put it over here mm-hmm. on the beach playing in a happy space. Mm-hmm. And then grown up Pete is just going to use it as this as this fierce exercise. Yeah. And I definitely got that from you. I don't want people to – you're very right on. I wasn't suffering. Mm-hmm. I, it was, it, And if I had been suffering, I would have stopped doing it. Yeah. Every time – the first time I said, yes, yes, burn it down, I was flooded with pleasure. Yeah. So it wasn't like – this is good. We should be in hell. Yeah. I I only say it was like hell because it felt like a purifying flame. Yes. Right. I, I, so I, thank you for clarifying. I'm not asking anybody or I'm not suggesting that anybody like beat themselves up or, or, or really go down, down deep. Right. Yeah. Do like that. I think that is exactly the perfect dis- distinction is that it was feeling like a relief for you. Um, and if, if some, somebody else could try that method and it would feel terrible and then don't do it. But, um, but I loved it and I saw it working for you and it's interesting because it's such a masculine energy kind of, uh, nuts. (laughs) It is what Val just spilled coffee and now it's on my book. Oh, I'm sorry. It's okay. Uh, just right on my crotch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just exactly the the place that makes you look like you wet yourself. Um, but uh, it's such a it's like the masculine energy way of of coping, which is so cool. Like it's cool for me to see that, and it's also fire, which you're Aries, oh, yeah. and I'm a Pisces, and I'm water, I'm water sign, and my whole method for the whole thing was. Like imagining a love sprinkler, so Water. like yeah, so like just like tsh, cutting the love sprinkler on and just letting it shower all over her, all over you, all over Leela, all over myself, and just letting it like fucking rain down love, 
and really feeling like this abundance, like the ocean of like, there is enough love. There's a, that I can serve her and, and there still is enough love for me to give myself and Leela and, you know, um, Whereas I think, well, so that was part of it. That was, it was just interesting that my imagery was like water and yours was fire and both were really working. And also I just, it was like no deep thoughts for me, Mm. like our practice of no deep thoughts. I was really just like, keep it simple. Don't overthink it. She, in the past, I think when she has come and wanted our undivided attention, I've built a story of like, we have a toddler, (laughs) bless you. you. Um, We have a toddler and a dog and like, you should be helping us, not asking us to constantly prove our love for you. Uh, And that's just a story that is only causing suffering to me. So when she wanted toast, I just made her toast. I didn't think about it. Right. I didn't, no deep thoughts. I yep. didn't make a story about it. I, and, did, I did that to make the days not long. I was like, don't go like, and then it's what they do on Seinfeld. Remember? Yeah, yeah you go to bed and then tomorrow's a travel day. It's like one day. You yes. know, I, I didn't do any of that. It was just like, just this toast. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it felt like kind of like a a monk or like a you know in an ashram you just like scrub the floors and you're just trying to be completely present with that task Mm -hmm. like that's what it felt like and it felt really good and simple and kind of like yeah this is what we're doing now we're serving this person Mm -hmm. and she she really received it and to her credit she said some really sweet Oh yeah, things and- that drag to hell thing is not indicative of how she is in general. Yeah, it, but that's what makes it such a. You know, I, there's I've had a lot of people in my life that have reminded me of this, which is like you don't know what you're going to get. Mm. Like, is the next thing she's about to say yes. incredibly sweet and kind and generous, or is it going to be? And then we watched your special and it dragged us to hell. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I know. I know. Well, and that's perfect. Well, yeah, because she also said today, uh, she was like, thank you. Thank you so much for everything, sweetheart. And she was like, she said to Iris, I've seen another side of, of Valerie this trip. Uh, I used to see her as my competition. Yeah. <laughs> and he was, she was like, but she's been waiting on me. Uh, and so sweet. And, and, uh, Iris was like, yeah, Val's the best. And she said, well, she is the best, but she wasn't the best for me. And I don't think I was the best for her because we're so different. And I'm just like, I don't know where you're getting this story. It's constant storytelling. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Because like, that's, it just really was like, oh, wow. People aren't. It's so not personal. They are just projecting their own stuff on That's you. That's right. And even when we had weird conversations about whatever it might have been, I, I really was struck with like, we're all records, like vinyl records. Yeah. And that's our, our DNA. That's our psychology. And it's like printed on us by something else. Like right. really we're souls and that's just a blank record, right? Uh-huh. Maybe you could say. And then where you're from and who you know and who you hang out with it's makes so all rigid. these grooves. Yeah. And then like you, you, that sort of can be one of the frustrations with family mm-hmm. is you go like, 
there's not a lot of change here. Mm-hmm. You know, nothing is changing. Like if something comes up, a subject comes up, I know pretty well what you're going to say. Mm-hmm. And that can be true. And I know that can be true for me too. So, but even that I was like, my mom should continue to grow and change. Like, is that true? Like, mm-hmm. like she's fine. She's, she's doing her thing. She's happy yeah. in what she's doing. Yeah. So my desire for her to be more spacious that's bullshit and it should burn up burn it up yeah and just be with what is yeah i think both of us we were we were just making our way to surrender just in different ways yeah but that really um that really is the gift of it is you're like what is actually happening in this moment she just politely asked for a warm-up for her coffee. If I'm like, she's done this five times today, or she is testing me in some way, or whatever, all of that isn't real. That's vapor. That's pro- that's me projecting. Or when I come in and say, Val said you wanted a warm-up, and she says, no, I want you to get this out of here. <laughs> yeah. There was a lot of that. A lot of there... like things she did. She'd go, do you have, I want cream and sugar. Or she goes, do you have cream and sugar? And I go, do you want cream and sugar? And she goes, I want cream. And I was like, you just wanted to know if we had sugar. And then the next day I gave it to her with cream and she goes, where's the sugar? And I go, you want sugar now? And she's like, yes, I always want sugar. And I was like, this is like, again, fierce teacher. I was like, okay, what's the, what's the big deal? But it wasn't even saying what's the big deal. It's just, just kind of, if you want to get water, just flowing with it. Flowing. Absolutely. And without you, even thinking now I will flow with it. Yes. Yeah. She just she truly just wants you to do things for her and me to do things for her because that's how she receives love and you know there's a lot of different reasons you can be like she didn't get that enough as a child so she still is a child saying do you love me do you love me do you love me and if you can just be like Yes, 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 yes. Right, right. It it really so actually so- see, actually seeing them instead yeah. of projecting on top of them what you wish was happening. You just see them for who they are. Yeah. And then what is the big deal if that theory is true that she wants to be loved in that way because of something that she we don't know. Mm-hmm. But if it's true, who cares? Yeah, I can make toast. Yeah, and absolutely. we and we were lucky that we didn't have a lot going on. We were able to clear a few days. Sure, and maybe even that we were in like a good mental space. Like, because as I'm saying this, I'm like, I can see how boundaries are important because you it might be so taxing. Or if she were to ever live with us, or like be, live, you know, if this were a more permanent thing. That might not be sustainable for years, but but I kept saying to myself, like, this is what I'm doing for five days. That's I can do anything for five days. Yeah. And even that makes it sound like it was hard and I was ignoring it. It wasn't hard because I was saying yes to it. So it just wasn't. I know. It wasn't anything. It just, I kept going back to like, this is just what I'm doing right now. Yeah. Like, this is just what I'm doing. (laughs) It's funny, as we're talking about this, and I hope it's helpful to everybody that has parents or family people that they're not sure always how to relate to. I'm like, there's been so many times when I've heard things like this, and I've tried to do it, but the effort ruins it. Yes. And for some reason, there wasn't effort. Yes. It was just, I needed a more extreme way of saying yes. And that's why burn... Burn me to the ground. Yeah, was so. 
I, I love saying it now. Yeah. And you know what? My mom isn't just a fierce teacher. Reality is a fierce teacher. Yeah. So you go into a situation where you're expecting to be treated a certain way mm-hmm. or you want someone to treat you a certain way and it's not happening. Yeah. For whatever reason, mm-hmm. you honor reality by saying, yes, burn me to the ground. Like, if I'm, I know I already said it, but if I'm arguing with reality, I'm the crazy person. Yeah. And I needed that extreme way to, like, really picture surrendering, not just surrender. Uh, we also watched... Um, once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And to give you an example of when I would push back a little bit. Oh, I was laughing so hard. She didn't follow it. Well, can I just say... She followed parts of it. I, I tried to tell friends this last night, and it didn't really work. It was kind of like... I do think there is an element of having to be there, but maybe you'll be able to add to it because I was dying laughing, which by the way, I just, I meant to say that was a big part of it too, was anytime anything felt just so crazy. We all laughed. We laughed so hard. And then she would laugh at herself. She's really good at laughing at herself. And I even gave her a little burn today and she, and oh, she was like, um, I said, so and so is is a, reminds me a lot of you. She's really sweet, and she goes, "Well, I'm not sweet." And I go, "Yeah, but she." And then <laughs> and she laughed really hard, and I said, "I'm sorry, I'm just kidding." And she's like, "No, that's my sense of humor." And then she was like, she couldn't hear us, and she's like, "You're talking like a Californian." Uh, it, it goes up and down. I can't hear you. You need to talk like a Bostonian. And Iris said, how, what is a Bostonian, how does a Bostonian talk? And she says, we speak clearly and loudly. And I said, you talk quieter yeah. than anyone I've ever known. That was one of my bits. Remember, I only did it once or twice on stage, but it was like, my mom wants attention. Yes. So one of the ways she'll get, we all want attention, by the way, mom, if you're listening, we all want attention. Yes. Um, but one of the ways I think I've seen her do it is in a loud restaurant, she'll be like, this halibut is one of the finest halibut. And you're like, what? This halibut is one of the finest halibut that I've ever had. So you have to like lean in. But here's the thing. It reminds me of roasts, right? I don't want to be roasted by people on Twitter, mm-hmm. but Kumail can roast me as much as he wants. Yeah. So with my mom, as soon as we were loving her in yes. a way that she understood. Yes. Um, and I think she picked up. If, if somebody is lapping up everything you're saying like a hot fudge sundae, even if you are sort of converting it into like a, a flame experience, <laughs> you're still really there with them. And you're and I would be smiling and enjoying it and yeah. then happily making your stuff because I really felt like Christ or the Buddha had like come to me as my mother. Yeah. It was a really, really... Yeah. I had never seen her... We always say it's right there on the wall. God comes to us disguised as our lives. It's Paula de Arce, um, quote. Or, you know, reality, the next lesson, it's a Ram Dass quote, the next lesson you need is always where you are. Yeah. And we can say these things, but I, I certainly don't really believe that yeah. all the time, intellectually. Yeah. Even if I can believe it in my heart. But then that was, not that everything needs to be helpful or in my service, but there was something really unexpectedly wonderful. These little gifts. I'm trying to think of some of the other things she said that hurt my feelings. But well, I wanted to tell the. I interrupted. Oh, the yeah. Once upon a time in Hollywood thing, but I have a video. Uh, uh, do I have my phone? I could play it, but I have a video. Maybe I should. 
Do you have it? Of of yeah. her watching Toy Story. So she would watch Toy Story. And oh, to her credit, I don't think she could hear it. But she just kept getting everything wrong and, like, not following the story. So I have this video of Pete explaining it to her. Let's see if it comes through. They are in a classroom. This is the daycare. And then Woody left. Okay, he left the daycare. And now he's playing in a child's bedroom. <laughs> Well, she (laughs) saw that that Val was filming. So I had to stop. But But it was a lot of that. Well, the best, the easiest one to understand is, by the way, my mom is pretty with it. We're not just making fun of like an old lady. Yeah. So she's she's with it. She's very smart and she's very capable and she's wonderful. And if you're listening, hello. Oh, my God. But we're watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And it would cut to Leonardo DiCaprio, and he gets in hair and makeup, so he puts on a mustache and a wig, Mm -hmm. and then he comes out and he's sitting with the little girl, and my mom goes, who's this? Is this someone important? And I go, that's Leonardo DiCaprio. (laughs) You've been watching the movie about him the entire time. Or she'd be like, why is he sad? And I was like, well, remember the scene we just watched where the guy said your career is over? (laughs) He's yeah. sad about his career. And then later he cries when she says, you're a great actor. And that's such a beautiful moment to me. Yeah. And she goes, he's not going to cry again, is he? This guy's a crybaby. <laughs> and I was like, I wanted then, to talk. Sorry. I just I just have to say this one part. So I I was kind of in and out, but we had already just laughed a lot about the like the toy. And I laughed with her, too, but like about the, the Toy Story thing and how... Every time we were watching something, she would just ask a million questions and Pete would have to explain what was happening. Uh, and again, I find that really de- endearing. Um, but the, Me too. It but was it, one of the highlights. But it was like 9 o'clock at night. It was right before we were going to bed. And I I warned her when you were – we kept switching to rock Leela, so we would switch roles of like sitting out there with her or rocking Leela. And when you were rocking Leela, I was like, it gets pretty gory at the end, like I wouldn't watch it before bed. Yeah. Uh, and I was like worried about her. I was imagining her reaction to that really gory scene being like, oh, I don't like this. Why am I watching this? Or whatever. Oh my God, I forgot about this. This is the best one. <laughs> yeah. And instead, I came in and you just hear like the screaming and the banging and the. And to me, it's like the biggest relief because I explained to her, I was like, I'm like, this is Sharon Tate, yeah. who was mar- murdered by Charles Manson. And the whole movie, you kind of wonder what's going to happen. Like, you're, you're supposed to be nervous for her the whole movie. Yeah. I wouldn't say that to anyone else, but I said that to her. Yes. And then, like, 30 minutes in, she was like, she's not pregnant. I thought she was pregnant when she died. I was like, well, then I guess she's not a- about to die. Yeah. And she's like, okay. And then, <laughs> what what did you remember? Well, so then I just come in, and it's that crazy scene, and she's just doing the same thing, where she's like, did she shoot him? Who shot? Why is he... Well, Why is he in pain? What happened? Did she shoot him? Where did she? Where did he get that oh, flamethrower? I just never considered it. I really think <laughs> Quentin Tarantino would get a very big kick, potentially, out of watching this movie with my mom. Mm-hmm. Because, one, she's not turned off by the violence yeah. or, or the swearing, even though she might 
maybe tell people later that she was, but yeah. she she lo- she loves she Inglorious Bastard. She like she likes his movies. Yeah, which I think is really cool. I, that is very cool. But like, there are things that confused her that I never considered could be confusing mm. until she said it, and then I was like, she's sort of right mm. that it's confusing. What was it? Okay. So at the beginning of the, when you meet Charles Manson, he goes to Sharon Tate's house. Uh huh. And remember, he's going to the wrong house. Yeah. And that's well, how he sees her. No. Or he, it's not the wrong house, but the people move. It's Terry's house. Yeah. And Terry moved. But it's still the wrong house, you could say. Yeah, sure. It's the right house, but he went to the wrong house. Yeah. And then later, the Charles Manson followers go to the wrong house. Yeah. They go to uh, Leonardo DiCaprio's house. Oh, right. Well, so there's two right. very important wrong houses. Again, I never would have been like, wait, so Charles went to the right house, but it was the wrong house. Yeah. Then they went to the wrong house. And that's what that's she's true. talking about during the, <laughs> the scene that's supposed to be scene. like, and, he's like, and then I'm pausing it and she's like, but I don't understand. It's the wrong house. I was like, yeah, they went to the wrong house. And she's like, <laughs> and then the, um, they call her the white face girl. She sort of looks ghostly. Uh-huh. He hits her in the face with a can uh-huh. and she's on the ground and then she finds a gun and she shoots in the air. Uh-huh. And then Brad Pitt, who has a knife in his hip, falls over. Yes. But it goes bang and then he falls over and she goes, <laughs> she shot him. This was the best part. Yes. She goes, she shot him. And you go, no, she shot in the air. And she goes, I can't believe she shot him. And yes. you go, no, she shot in the air. And she goes, she he, goes he shot. Like, she and I'm pointing like, up. I go, she shot in the air. And she goes, what air? This, that's the ceiling. And I go, oh, okay, she shot the ceiling. And then she thought I was saying there or something and oh, and I'm like it was don't you remember funny. he had the knife in his hip and she's like that's why he fell over and as I'm explaining this she's in the pool getting flamethrowered just like and then she goes where did he get the flamethrower and I go remember at the beginning and she's like oh he had it at the beginning and I was just like you know what but here's the really trippy thing it's good like it's like people watch movies very differently. Yeah. And there's a lot of cinephiles out there that are following shots and noticing different choices and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think to my mom, it really is like a reality that you go in <laughs> like a dream and it's very confusing, but you're not necessarily following speaking him. the language of the director. Sure. So like if he's doing it, there's a lot of flashbacks in that movie <laughs> and they're, they don't. There's no Chiron that says three years early. It just jumps to the flat. So she was confused by a lot of stuff <laughs> that I sort of saw why she was confused by. I it, also, but also wonder if it is like movies are made differently now than they were. For sure. So like the same rules don't apply. And if you're not like keeping up with with that like gradual evolution that's right then it just is like what well this is betraying the rules you're supposed to say three years later or three years earlier or whatever right and to uh, her credit she's still trying yeah it's like I, I had somebody in my family i was like do you still play video games and they were like no i'm past that and i was like i think the truth is is like you didn't stay with them yeah so now if you threw on the new doom game uh-huh. it would be the most overwhelming thing in the world And I think that's sort of like what this movie is a little bit to my mom. Yeah. But the really fun trip is, 
She liked it. She liked it. Yeah. And she liked the movie because, and, and she kept going like, it's Brad Pitt and Leonardo DiCaprio. What's not to like? You get to see them. And I, I was like, you know what, mom? That is kind of 60% of the fun. Oh, for sure. Is that like you get to watch these guys being cool. And handsome. And uh, Margot Robbie is so beautiful. Yeah. And even she was like, she's, I, by the way, I don't mean to superficialize the movie, but like. Yeah. That's definitely it's what's part of it. going on. Yeah, you're looking yeah. at gorgeous movie stars. It, I think it's like intentionally part of it is that because it's like a love letter to Hollywood. It's mm-hmm. like, of course, you're, you're going to get the most attractive. Okay, but stars. see what you just said. <sighs> I don't think it's just old people, older people. When I was like, that movie's a love letter to Hollywood. And remember, like, whatever, whatever. Uh, what is the spin? Uh, see, now I'm old. Hmm. I'm trying to like HuffPost will will put something out that goes like it's really Tarantino's love letter to Hollywood and we're all like yeah no shit and it's like those articles are kind of for people not just older people but there's lots of people that just watch it and they go like they're just watching it here's my compassion uh, or my way to understand that the first time I saw The Matrix I had no idea what the fuck was going on yeah and the second time I saw The Matrix I understood that when he woke up and he was bald and he had tubes in him, that he was in the Matrix, that that was like where his body was. But the first time I didn't know. Yeah. And I remember having this moment of humility where I was like, what did I think the first time? Mm. So it's not like unthinkable that you wouldn't follow a movie. Yeah. I do think it's funny, though, that at the end she's still like, that was so good. I know. And, and that like, what was... do you mean? I know. <laughs> but I, do, I think I get what you mean. That was my favorite part of the whole visit, I think, was at the end. See, this is what your family does so well. And and my family just isn't like this. But so I really enjoy it. It's like they have your your family has a great sense of humor about themselves, your parents, and like they are roasty. They don't right. mind your brother's the same way. You can roast them and they think it's really funny and even almost receive it as love in a way. So it was so cute, and I was laughing so hard. You were like, she was asking so many questions and getting so many things wrong, and you were pausing and explaining and pausing and explaining. And then, a, like, maybe three minutes before the movie actually ended, you paused, and you're like, okay, that's the end of the movie. Yeah. We have to go. And I she, go, Can you believe that's how it ends? And then she goes, no, it's not over. I want to see. And you, you, like, started helping her up out of yes, the chair, yes. and she was like a kid. She was like, no, no, I want to see. And she was laughing really hard. And you were laughing and I was laughing so hard. It was definitely the best part of the visit. We were all laughing at how absurd. That's a soul moment. You know what I mean? It's like we're all laughing at this situation from the same place. Yes. My mom is seeing that she's being a kooky mom. And she said, I'll keep my mouth shut. I promise. Right. And and she, she had had a drink and she was like, you made me a strong drink to get me to go to bed early. But little did you know, when I have a strong drink, I want to stay up late. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like well, it's egg on my face. And we're just... So not to make fun of your family, but I, a vivid memory for me was I was with your mom and your dad and your dad's parents. Uh-huh. And I said what we say in our family. I say, what is this, an embarrassing story from when Bill was a kid. Yeah. And it I might as well have farted <laughs> as loud and as hard as I could and then wafted it into everybody's face. The the look on his mother's face was like a little bit shocked and there was a very long pause, very long pause, 
And then she, you could hear the silverware clinking, <laughs> and she puts it down, and she goes, "Well, Bill was just such a good boy. I don't have any stories about that are embarrassed." And she is almost like shame on you for asking. When and later, I called my parents, and I was like, "I'm so glad uh-huh. that at least uh, you know we have our, our quirks, yeah. but we are a family that goes like, you need to make fun of what happened and talk yeah. about it." And not ridicule it, but get on a good roll. Yeah. My dad bought a canoe. It was on crashing, but that's from life. Like, he bought a canoe. And my cousin Raymond, who's such a funny guy, roasted the hell out of my dad (laughs) for buying a canoe. And where are you? You're going to canoe? He kept saying canoe. He didn't say boat. He was like, you're going to canoe, Jay? You're going to get in the canoe? And my dad started with like, yeah, I'm going to get in the canoe. And then like as, and then I got involved as well. And we're like, oh, you're a big canoe guy. You're going to get in that canoe. I can't wait to see you in that canoe. I hope you don't canoe too much. You might get sunburned out there. Canoe. He started crying with laughter. And I'm the same way. Like, yeah. it's so nice to be seen. Yeah. And when if if someone said to my mom, tell us an embarrassing story about Peter, I would like it too. Yeah. Because it, they remembered something. They yeah. remembered a moment. Yeah. Yeah, that is how your family, it's kind of the one way that your family will see each other and be like, I remember That's you, it. I see you, I'll nope. tell this story about you. Yes. It's your love language. My family is so, it's just composed of such sensitive sweeties that we we see each other all the time and and, you know not like all the time i guess but we're seeing each other in another way and we really are so sensitive that if anybody makes any kind of right like negative comment that person will hold on to it forever and be like just so hurt by it and yeah so i've gotten into trouble with making some jokes or yeah or at the beginning before i knew them well enough to know that that's not their love language yeah but i but i love that about your family that it is and and that i can feel like i do feel more comfortable you know she she was like i i didn't know you were you were so silly when i first met you you were just so sweet and shy and i was like I would have I I think I'm getting to the point where I could say, yeah, cuz you guys are a bunch of weirdos. No, you could say that. And like uh, of they course would I wouldn't. That. Yeah, and they would Yeah, it's love hard that. it's hard to be silly when you guys are all out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. And they love that. And it really not that this oh, how interesting the origin story of me, but you can see why I became a comedian. I was like yeah. t- sharing your feelings, ranting, you know, I, I I sort of look back on that bit about I hate my girlfriend's friends. It's a little bit... It, I, it's fine. It was right for the time. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do it now. I, I, I'm not saying this. You're not the kind of person that needs this. Mm. I like your friends. I'm so happy that you have friends. Yeah. At the time, I was like, really not. And that that's from them. It's yes. like, if you don't like your girlfriend's friends... You have to like tell somebody, yeah, and it'll be really funny. To, and and I I learned that early on was that like most people aren't just saying the blunt truth. Sure. But my mom yes. out blunts me oh, a million yes. to one, and my dad out blunts me a million to one. They just say it, yep, which can be really challenging, yeah. Unless you go like, this is what it is, yeah. This is what it is, yeah. and then. 
they they can be very sweet as well. Yeah. I I wanted it was my there's a couple things we haven't talked about. One, it might be. Yeah, I'm okay. going to do it on my phone. Um, I hope that it was. It, it was that whole time. Okay. <laughs> by the way, here's a, a verse from the Gospel of Thomas, which I'm reading. Um, by the way, it, it's going to sound like I don't like my parents, but that's not the point. I like the second part more. And this part is in the Gospels. Jesus says, whoever does not hate their father and their mother as I do cannot become my disciple. That's actually in the other ones. Hmm. And that we've talked a lot about that verse. I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. I came to turn brother against brother. And it's because when you sort of see the soul game or the or the the one game, the oneness game. Yeah. Um, roles like mother, father, brother. Jesus is doing this all the time. He goes, why do you call these? Why do you call her my mother? Why do you call him my brother? These people who hear what I say and follow my word, those are my mother. Those are my brother. Yeah. So he's saying like, there's a there's an up leveling of family. Mm-hmm. There's the people who bore you, and mm-hmm. then there's your spiritual origin, mm-hmm. or you could just say like your m- mysterious origin, mm-hmm. and that's sort of your your quote unquote real, or I should say quote unquote mother. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> but then he says, and this is unique to the Gospel of Thomas, I think. He says, and whoever does not love their father and mother as I do cannot become my disciple. So. We're in that good paradox zone. Mm-hmm. This is great. Listen to this. For my mother made me to die, but my true mother gave me life. Wow. And the life in the second one is capitalized. My wow. mother made me to die. I mean, right. bore me. I'm using bore a lot. I was born into form. Yes. I was born in a spacesuit that expires and decays and cracks and gets disease and atrophies and slowly fades out. That you were born to die, yeah. but your true mother gave you life, yeah. and it's capitalized at life. So, on by it. the way, none of this next part is true, mom. But on my birthday, I, I usually take a psychedelic. That's not true, um, but let's <laughs> say it's true. And I had a real, maybe I had a real experience of divine feminine and and mother, and I really felt like I saw my mm. mother, like mm. the divine. Mother, it was a really, really intense experience. Hypothetically, it was. was. The one thing I really couldn't wait to share because it had been a while. Let's say it was mushrooms. It had been a really long time since I hypothetically had taken mushrooms. (laughs) I know, and um, it's so funny. I took it was a chocolate, and I took half of it. And my friend was like, and then we'll, you know, we'll see. We can take the whole thing. And I, as 15 minutes later... It was so fast. It kicked in. For you. I, I didn't take it, just for the record. And, and the, my friend who did take it, it never kicked in like this for him. So I really do believe that I'm a lightweight. Yes. In fact, when I decide to take mushrooms is when I start tripping. Yeah. I'll, I'll, like, I'll start feeling them in my system hours, days before, almost like they're flirting with me to sort of remind me of what the experience is like a little bit. I, th- that was also a good pull quote. I was on the lawn and I was sort of standing on my head a little bit. And I go, <laughs> we don't hallucinate. We stop hallucinating. Yeah. <laughs> Meaning like when you're in that place, you're seeing a deeper level of reality. Like you're seeing your real mother. You're seeing the real origin of things. That's like Cynthia Morgan's book, You're Already Hypnotized. Definitely where I got that idea for sure. You stop hallucinating. You see the mystery. Un- the veil is lifted and you see... So anyway, the thing I wanted to say, I was sitting at the edge of a table, and for those of you who have taken mushrooms and those of you who haven't, 
to help you understand and those who have it might make you remember but it's like reality is a, a paper accordion mm-hmm. and everything is the accordion is usually closed and when the drug kicks in or the compound kicks in it the accordion opens all the way mm. and everybody looked rotoscoped meaning they looked like Richard Linkletter movies like Waking Life or Scanner Darkly. Everybody looked like cartoons. And it, it was just, it was truly incredible. I I don't know if I have a lot of epiphanies from it, but one of them was definitely, it's all an excuse to be together. Mm-hmm. Meaning Val and I watch TV at night and that's sort of a silly way to spend your time. But I was like, but no, it's an excuse to be together. Mm-hmm. You just want to sit together. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my God, the whole thing is an excuse to be together. Yeah. And I felt really, really special we just want to be together i mean if you believe that there was one consciousness that split into many of course everything is an excuse to be together yeah um oh okay so the prayer beforehand which i that i did over the mushrooms i think is a great prayer for life it was we only ask for the grace we've already been given we only ask for the love that we are And that became a mantra during the thing. It's like, it's already here. It's already been given. So we're not asking for anything new. Yeah. We're just asking for what's already happening. It was really, it was really powerful. Right. And you were having the experience of like, you said that prayer right before, but it was like, it was, there was something about it. It was like, it was chanting it to you or something. I can't remember. (coughs) Yeah. It was, well, everything sounded amazing. Mm. So I kept repeating things to myself. Yeah, you can. And whatever somebody would say, like, we got to get chips. I'd just be like, we got to get chips. And it <laughs> just sounded so, get chips. Get so chips. I just kept repeating like a crazy person. Yeah. And at one point I said, God, I hope this is what insane people are feeling. Yeah. Because I was like, this is the best. Like, it made me like worry less. <laughs> yeah. If they're having that kind of an, uh, an episode, because it did sort of feel that way. Yeah. Yeah, it was... It was the most, uh, hypothetically, the most uh, affected I had seen you. And it was like, I mean, you were, that was one of the things you were like, it's just an excuse to be together. It's just an excuse to be together. It's just an excuse to be together. And you were like chanting it to yourself, yeah. which was cool. It really felt like a shaman kind of energy. Mm. I'm not calling myself a shaman, but I felt magical. And there was a time when I was giving you a, a back rub. Mm-hmm. We were just on a, a grassy lawn. And I really was just like, felt like a healer or, or something. Mm. Like I was pushing things into you yeah. and taking things out of you and like crying. And <laughs> I was touching my friends and I grabbed my friend Michael's leg and I, he wasn't on it, but I grabbed his leg and I was like, I don't know this leg. <sighs> this is this is Michael's leg and I'm bending it and he's laughing so hard. I grab my friend's face and I go, I don't know this face. <laughs> meaning so much of reality is a construct, meaning you're looking at little bits of data mm. and you go, that's Michael. Mm-hmm. But like, I don't know the parts that make up the whole. Yeah. I'm I'm simplifying the mystery by mm. saying there's Michael. Mm. But like touching just one part of him and being like, this is your I'm doing it to Val right now. Mm. This is your leg. <laughs> I don't this you're always with this leg. It just felt so profound. And, and it, your your touch did have like such an energetic charge. Michael and I both felt it. Yeah, I, I'm not surprised. I, I started crying like, but I said to Michael afterwards, I was like, almost every time I cry in my life. 
I'm aware that I'm crying and I'm like, oh, here it comes. I'm crying. Look at you. Oh, don't fight it. You're just like, it's okay to cry. What are you, a crybaby? But this was like after the fact, I realized I had been crying. It was like this most beautiful release. Yes. Sorry. That was so, it's so interesting that you say that because my friend who I saw yesterday, last night was saying the exact same thing about her ayahuasca trip where she was like, I was crying and usually there is a restriction or like a, um, oh, I'm having a narration. I'm having this emotion. She was like, it was just complete flow. Yeah. The needle was on the record. Yeah. Like it was just, I, it only was happening when it was happening. It wasn't happening before it was happening. It wasn't happening after it was happening. I was completely right there. That is to me, that's embodiment. And that's what I mean by, and she brought this up when we were talking about like, the statement, your body always tells you the truth. Your mind often lies to you. Mm. It's like people will go, yeah, but my body thinks that I'm in danger when I'm not. And to me, it's like, no, your body does have the memory of a time that you were in danger. Uh, But really, the story of your body is just... I have this energy that I need to release. Mm. And your mind is the one that's going, oh, no, we're in danger. This is going to be us from now on. This is how we are. So anytime it's, it's basically my understanding of it is your body has an experience. Your mind decodes that experience incorrectly and then blames the body for having that experience mm. for, for the falsehood. Right. And, and she was saying, um, she's like, yeah, when I, when I, you know, she's like, sometimes I think the body is always true. The body is the, um, you know, ultimate authority, but she's like, I've had things resonate in my body, like relationships that weren't healthy that I was feeling were resonating in a true way in my body. And then later I didn't feel that way. And I thought that was such a good question. I feel like so many people have have that where you're like, is your body trustworthy? Mm. And I, I don't – what were you going to say? Sarah? I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah. And your body is the gooeyest, softest, warmest, most magical, beautiful cave of mystery and delight that when mm. you're in it, it – it's often mushroom experiences will make me go like – what you're doing on the real, the regular, everyday plane really matters. Mm-hmm. Even a prayer like, we only ask for the grace we've already been given. We did it, and it was sort of emotional. But then when you're there, you're like, oh, fucking hell, that's <laughs> right on. Like, it's always like you don't realize how right you are. Yeah. And when, in terms of you, Val, mm-hmm. always trying to get us to come into our bodies, in the same way that that prayer sounds sort of boring. Mm. Just sort of sounds sort of like poetry, yeah, or bad poetry. Just sort of sounds like, oh, we're asking for something we've already been given. <laughs> cool, yeah. Or it's you kind of recognize that there's something profound about it, mm. and then you become that profundity, mm. and you're like, Wah! and when you're always telling us to go into our bodies and find our bodies and and uh, live in our bodies, when I was on that uh, mushrooms, hypothetically. I was so in my body. I also lost my body, though. My body vanished. Mm. That was the other incredible thing. So people talk about... Go ahead. I was just going to say, your body is... To me, I'm like... I live in my body on this earth plane. 
or I, I, you know, I try to, I don't always. Uh, and also your body is a portal to pure awareness. And so it sounds like you were in that. And matter is portal. a portal to the immaterial. Yes. I mean, could it be more obvious than eating something makes you go into another realm? It's, it's like, it's all this. Mm. And this is what leads to deeper levels of this. Yeah. But that's what I'm like, you stop hallucinating. You start seeing your brain is just like the record thing again. We're just running the same grooves for weeks since the trip. I've been watching movies I've seen hundreds of times mm. because Lee, like kids' movies, and I'm watching them. I'm looking at other characters, and I usually try mm. to look at other things because I've seen it so many times. So I'm looking for something new, but now I'm just effortlessly finding new things. Mm. And I think that's specifically because I, I you sort of hit the side of your pinball machine, mm. and everything just sort of everything shifts. Mm-hmm. You know that there's that Incredibles. This is boring, but it's almost over. Jack, Jack. The Jack Jack short where the babysitter is with him and, and he starts, it's the incredible, so he uses all his powers and it's a terrible babysitting experience. Uh-huh. Have you ever noticed, I hadn't, that she turns on the music and it's the music that makes him transform. Oh, wow. And I've I, never noticed There's that. a shot of the baby, she puts on the music and the baby goes, huh? And his eyes cross and that's what triggers. Whoa. And I think it's because that music is in, my point is, Something I had literally seen hundreds of times, mm. and I got it for the first time because my brain had just been like rebooted, mm. sort of, and all this new stuff was was coming in. Yeah, I definitely. It was a wonderful experience, and it was one of those wonderful experiences where I was like, "That was so intense. I don't think I'll do that for a long, long time." Sure. Which is weird. Almost every other time I've done it, I've been like. Oh, I want to do that again tomorrow. Yeah. But this time was so... It was way more intense than anything else I've ever done. Yeah. It was only a half. Mm-hmm. And it was way more than the full of, I've taken of other stuff. Yeah. And I was just like, wow, Mushrooms really wanted to get me. Yeah. And spend some time with me. Yeah. And it, it, it was really, really beautiful. And now you have that... The, the gift of that is... Oh, that's um, what I was going to say. The body death. Sorry. Oh, no. Go ahead. Some people lose their bodies and it's really traumatic. Mm-hmm. You have these experiences where like you see your body decaying or vanishing or being taken from you or you're being killed or whatever it might be. So I've heard of becoming just awareness and your body goes and it's really traumatic. Mm. This was like the real just kept getting bigger and brighter and crazier and more wonderful. Mm. And then there just was no body. Mm. So it was the most gracious gentle way of going well let's get rid of your body and Mm. we're going to show you the goddess and we're going to show you all these different visual things that were very meaningful to me and i really sort of gently forgot that i was a body yeah so i had that experience in the most gentle way possible (laughs) wow yeah i love that Mm. um i was gonna say something about oh Oh, it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. Do you want to do some questions? Yeah, let's do some questions. Okay. Uh, Oh, that's what I was going to say. I don't know enough about this, but something that I'm wanting to research more too is, you know, Michaela Watkins shared her story on, uh, on the pod about doing ayahuasca and then having an energy healer say, yeah, I don't think that's for you. It shows you too much too fast and you're too sensitive. 
And that really resonated with me because I was like, I think that's true for me. I know that's true for me. Mm. Um, and I just feel like anytime we're talking about psychedelics, I feel like it's really, you know, important to represent that side of it too. That like it truly, you know, some people get healed forever. They do one dose of psychedelics and they get healed forever. They stop stuttering or they lose their anxiety or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And then some people, it brings up trauma too much too fast and they get PTSD from it. So I'm just saying it is, uh, it isn't the same for everyone. And what I wanted to bring up was, um, or when I brought that up to, Gungis, he was saying there's the different yogas, the yana, the bhakti. So yana is head, bhakti is heart, kriya is energy. And then there's another one that I never remember, which is like gut and like action. And I think there's another one even. Like I said, I need to learn more about it. But everybody just kind of comes to enlightenment or awareness or presence through different means like through different ways and um and so for for me it's really heart i just need to like have heart opening experiences and stay grounded so that's why being in the body um is what makes me feel safe enough for my heart to open up so all of this is just like for what it's worth if you've had a bad psychedelic experience or if you're not sure or whatever just like there are so many different ways i can sometimes i don't think i'm i I think i'm just now realizing that i at least used to feel a little left out when people were like psychedelics it's the way it'll show you the oneness and i'm like yeah it just it doesn't it's not safe for me so does that mean i'm not gonna get to experience the oneness yeah but you already uh, look (laughs) You don't have to, and you already did. Like, you already had that experience. We did it together, and you were completely in outer space, and the only thing that was tethering you to reality was my heartbeat. Yeah. So you've had that. Mm -hmm. I I actually, during the trip, said to Michael, I go, tell Earth Pete that he did it. Meaning, because I kept going in the bathroom. Mm -hmm. The bathroom was really, really small. And I loved it. It was huge to me. It was yeah. huge, paper accordion. It was huge. And it was my tomb. I called it the tomb. Yeah. I was like, I'm going in my tomb. Which, by the way, it was... Oh, you already said it. It was like the size of an airport bathroom. It was so small. Airplane bathroom. Airplane, yeah. Yeah. I, so, so I didn't mean I didn't no. to say that so harshly. No, you're right. But it was it, airport the size of a, <laughs> of a phone booth. And I went in and I had the most profound experiences there. <laughs> and and I I really, really loved it. What were we saying? But I did. What? Um, It was like. Oh, I came back and I was like, if there is any ego clinging or experience collecting, I'll read books like The Immortality Key, which talks about, which Brian is coming on, Murarescu. Um, Incredible, incredible book. I recommend it to everybody. Best um, book I've read in a long time. He, you know, they, he makes a very compelling case that the Eucharist was uh, psychedelic. So then I'm like, okay, now all of these verses that talk about how important it is to eat the flesh and drink the blood, uh, they have this different meaning. It's like you can't see the kingdom unless you do this. Yeah. And the Gospel of John really says that. And it's never really made sense why we need to like eat bread and grape juice 
and really think about the Last Supper, it makes a, a lot more sense to me personally that they're saying like there are things that you can do that will take you to this place, and that's where I'll be meeting you. Yeah. Um, so then, what follows that is, well, have I done it? Right. Because the the ancients used to take really big doses. They would try to have a death trip because that was the whole point was to die before you die. Mm. They would take the psychedelic sometimes in the catacombs where the tombs are, their catacombs, mm-hmm. to not be in a good set or setting. So they would have the death experience and then emerge on the other side. They mm. wanted that. Mm. So that's why I said to Michael, and that's why I'm saying to you, you've done that. You've disappeared, yeah. but you were still there and you came back. Yeah. That being said, it's the ocean. Some people swim in the ocean and they're like, I saw God and and the light and the way the water was shining and it was beautiful. Some people go in the ocean and a shark eats them. Yeah. And this trip was that for me where I was like, this is serious. I took notes for myself. I was like, all your precautions are good and valid Mm -hmm. and it's a very serious thing. And that's why I was like, I don't know if I'll, I, I won't say ever do that again, but I was like, I need a long time. Yeah. I need to hear it on the wind mm. saying, I have something for you. Yeah. Because it is not just like a, a thing. That's why I don't want to call it a drug. It's a sacrament. Yeah. It's not just something you eat and go like, oh, everything was groovy. Yeah. It's so serious. So if it's possible, when the drug started kicking in, I took it and I just called it a drug. And then we did a, <laughs> we did a meditation uh, like a, off my phone. Uh, Kim Eng. It's called Resist Nothing. It's really good. And we were doing that. And five minutes into that meditation, I was like, I don't know what this woman is saying. I'm. S- I don't know what language this is. Wow. I mean, I did, but I couldn't follow it for anything. And it seemed very unimportant to follow her because I was like, something's happening to me. Yeah. But here's what I really wanted to get on the record. If, if people are interested in psychedelics or, or, or just thinking about them as a subject matter is interesting to them. You were sitting next to me and you were talking about the lamp in the room Mm. and I was seeing the lamp (laughs) and you guys were just sort of talking about how it's kind of a cool lamp. Yeah. And there's this really lonely and scary feeling, which is why it's always good to do with someone else that's doing it. Mm -hmm. I would never do it alone. Mm -hmm. It was really comforting to go, well, he did it too and we're we're both going there. Mm -hmm. But you realize... I always think of what David Nickturn told us about death. Death is you're on a raft, you push off into the shore, and you float deeper and deeper and deeper into the ocean mm-hmm. where you can't even see the shoreline anymore and you can't see anybody. And the trick is to stay calm and to stay mm-hmm. centered. But you do have to let it all burn and let it all go. Yeah. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh, fuck. I'm going somewhere and they can't follow me. This is like the core of your negative experience with these. Uh-huh. They don't know where I am. Mm-hmm. They're talking as if I'm with them. Mm. And I know I'm next to you bodily, but I am not where you are. Yeah. And that can be really scary, especially if you take your comfort in being with friends and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and knowing that everyone's having the same experience. Yeah. And I take a lot of comfort in that. Yeah. That's why I want people to get my jokes. I want people to understand what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I want things mirrored back to me. And this is going, this, this is just you. Yeah. And by the way, the other guy who took them was not having this experience at all. He took a full one, didn't even trip. Yeah. <laughs> I I, and I think he had done it recently or something. There's different 
people react differently. Mm-hmm. And if this is kicking in for me 15 minutes, we know it was 15 minutes because that's how long the meditation was. Yeah. Th- then my body is very susceptible to this stuff. Yeah. And I, you have to get over the fact that you're alone. I, I had a friend who was having a bad trip once. And I said to her, I go, I promise you'll come back. Yeah. And you're there. Are you stressed? No, I'm just letting my body know that I'm not, <laughs> that that's not happening to me. Yeah. I'm sorry, Bubba. No, it's okay. I It really isn't a problem, I would tell you. I'm just letting my body know I'm not. Val's loving touching her body. <laughs> I I said, I promise you'll come back. You're always here, meaning where we are. Yeah. You're never there. Mm-hmm. And it's only going to be a couple hours. So just enjoy it while you're there. If it's weird, let it be weird. If it's scary, let it be scary. But I promise, life is so not novel sometimes. And you're doing something very novel, so just lean into it. Yeah. But the mantra I use for myself in that experience, and it's the same thing, it's the same way I hope to frame death, is you get the cookie. Mm. You're the special boy. (laughs) Not you're going off alone and that's scary. You, it's like if the mushrooms was talking, it's saying, you and I have a secret. Mm. I want to see you. You get the cookie. Everything I am going to show you and everything I'm going to make you feel is just for you. And that actually started to feel very selfish. I really want... That's why I gave you that back rub. And I I kept trying to touch people and and share it with them. Yeah. Because I sort of felt selfish that I was having this epiphany, this revelation. And I was like, so you get the cookie wasn't... But but the shift from, oh, no, I'm going off alone to you get the cookie. You get the cookie is a really good mantra if you're going to do uh, anything like this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I do think that really speaks to the the um, concept that it, of course, your the grooves in your record are going to affect it a little bit where it's like that is comforting to you. Because being alone was safe. Yeah, because being alone was safe, and because which you're, I when growing up, our whole lives, I associate being alone with being safe. Yeah, and you do not. Yes, I associate it with the most unsafe thing. So, um, yeah, so like, and you get the cookie. Like when you say that, I don't feel anything. <laughs> yeah. Like that doesn't mean anything to me because I don't want the cookie. I want the friends. Right, and, <laughs> and I go. Uh, you're this a special is boy. Fucking great. Like, this is why I always like drinking alone when I drank. Uh-huh. It's why I still like smoking pot alone sometimes. It's like, I just, I don't want to be a burden to anybody. I just want to go into my inner room. <laughs> yeah. And, and party with the divine. And, um, and I'm like, I don't want to do anything if I can't share it with my friends. Which is what's so beautiful about you. It also well, reminds me of me saying, yes, yes, burn it down. Mm. Destroy everything that's fake. Leave nothing but God. Kill me. Kill me. Yeah. Kill me. This is good. Kill me. <laughs> and you go, it's a, 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 a sprinkler love of love. <laughs> it's really important. You can't follow anybody's advice. You have to find your own mantra. And it is based on your psychology. Yeah. And that's why it's helpful in those situations to remember Christ. That's, you know, God, as I was raised with him and still enjoy. I'm just saying, like, those symbols are welcome in that space. Mm -hmm. There was a time when I just kept saying, God is great. God is great. God is great. And that Mm. felt so good. Mm. 
my vision was so wide. Mm. It's like there was no bridge of my nose. It was just, you know, like a scuba mask oh, wow. of, of perfect panoramic, judgeless vision. Yeah. It was, it, but I, I hear what you're saying. And I came out of this one going like, this is no joke. Yeah. This is not to be taken in the back of a cab on the way to a party. Yeah. This is like... Because that prayer mattered. It became the touchstone for the whole thing. Right. It's like, there's a real, like, when you realize who you are, what you are, if you are awareness, nothing can hurt you. Mm-hmm. Which is insane to the body. Right. The body is just telling you, protect me, protect me, protect me. And we should. Mm-hmm. Ramdas gave... Uh, one of these great quotes. I wish I could find it. Um, maybe I can. Do you, it seems like you have something you want to. Well, it is that I keep going back to. I'm finding in my own practice, and it actually goes back to your mom visiting. The like more of the Tao kind of uh, being, not doing. So there is just this like cozy little space that I can get into with my meditation practice where I realize the phrase is you don't have to do anything like you don't have to do anything and this kept coming up the weekend of your trip we were in Laguna and I was meditating and I saw a crow we were on like a like the fourth floor and I was on the balcony so there was the top of a palm tree exactly like level with the floor mm. and a crow uh, with the balcony, sorry. And a crow came and like was gathering fibers and, um, and, I, and then like flew to another tree. And it was just so I wasn't on anything, but I was tripping out on like, how does that crow know exactly what to do to like build a nest? <laughs> yeah. How does it know? And then we saw a crab and we we're like, how does this little tiny crab know exactly what it needs to do to survive? And that same thing is in me. So my ego and my my thinking mind wants me to believe that without them, I can't. I won't be able to survive. That I have to be efforting all the time so that I can survive. And when I can get into my body and get into that like cozy little nook in my practice, it really seeps in. Like you don't have to do anything. That is the same thing, the same instinct that tells the crow how to make a nest will take care of me. Yeah. It will flow. I can just be. I don't have to do anything. And it doesn't mean that I won't I will just be sitting and not doing anything. I will uh I will still go about my day, make toast, whatever, but there is a still small part of me that is is just being. Yep. And that is just such a huge relief to me because the way that my mind kidnaps a feeling is this feeling is a problem we have to figure out where it came from and how to fix it and how to get rid of it and that's just so much work and to have to realize like no there's actually no problem here you don't have to do anything that's my version of you you get the cookie yeah <laughs> i love that yeah it, it well that reminds me of of jesus saying look at the birds and look at the trees mm-hmm. these things have an inherent intelligence yeah. That knows a bird knows or a squirrel knows 
to gather nuts because the winter's coming? Yeah. Like, it gets a certain temperature and it knows to start, you know. And it, this isn't like sort of sloppy proving God exists because there's intelligence. We can get all that out of here and just say there is an intelligence. Who cares? Like, yeah. drop all of the meaning making. Sure. And just say that that intelligence that these animals and these mammals have, mm-hmm. we have. Yeah. And the brain hates that. Yeah. It, in the same way that it hates when I'm saying, like, none of this is real. It's okay. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's just falling away and it's beautiful. Because it's got its own survival plan. It wants to exist and survive. So it's fighting for its own survival. And when you say, actually, we don't need you here, right. it's dying. Right. That's right. And when Katie says, Byron Katie says, no one is better or worse than you are. Everybody's the same. Mm. Ego hates this kind of truth. Yeah. It goes, I am better. And this person's a piece of shit. And we should flog them and this and that. And and Ramdas even talks to that. He's like, if somebody's a danger, you can lock them away. Like, we don't have to be ridiculous. Yeah. But, like, there's still a deeper level of understanding where you go, like, it's all one, basically. It's all one. Yeah. Is the simplest way to say it. Which goes back to the the lonely feeling. It really is like you are, and I believe my understanding of kind of the Nick Turns idea of the pushing away into the ocean. Uh, although he's Buddhist, so he would say it was kind of your nothingness is on the other side. But I feel like it's like if you are brave enough. And I guess I don't want to say that because there's no shame in not being able to do it. I can't do it either in this way. But if you get through the part of you're all alone, you at least in the death experience, I think what's on the other side of that is you can't be alone. That's exactly right. Yeah. And that's you're reminding me of one of the things I said on my hypothetical, completely fictional mushroom trip on my birthday this year (laughs) was I said, there's light in the darkness. There's light in the darkness, which is one of the funniest things. It's called neutrinos, I believe, meaning even things that look perfectly dark to us, there's light in there that it contains light. Katie, I've said this a million times, says you are that darkness, like the darkness that you fear of creeping in and taking you over is you. Mm. And that's why that Gospel of Thomas verse, my mother, uh, I was born from my mother to die, but my real mother gave me life. So that's why you go, burn it down. There's a real death comparison. Yeah. If, if my body can be broken and die and destroyed, then it's not the real deal. Yeah. And you can let it go. Yeah. You can go, burn everything that isn't true. Yeah. Burn everything that isn't eternal. Yeah. So you drift out farther and farther from what the shore from your friends. Yeah. This is the value of saying, I don't have parents. Yeah. I don't have friends. I have God. God is great. God is one. Yeah. And that's and where can you go that you're not there? Right. <laughs> and if right. you're there, the, the, this this was on the Easter service. This is where I got it. So we we did a Richard Rohr had a Zoom oh, Easter so service. And one of the best things was, you know, my mom told me that at her church, they dropped the line from the Apostles' Creed, which is he descended into hell. And uh, I believe it's three days later, he, he emerged from hell. Mm. And they dropped that from it. And I understand 
why they they might want to do that. It's kind of theologically confusing, and why is Jesus going to hell? Mm -hmm. And Richard was saying that's what life is. That's the the model of life is Christ. He I've said this, but I've never heard Richard say it this explicitly. Is he goes Christ is in hell. There's nowhere you can wherever being is. That's, that's Christ. Christ. That's God. Yeah, yes. So Christ, Jesus, takes you into hell with him mm-hmm. and then brings you out of it. And then afterwards, you can both be like, who cares? Yeah. Like, and, and you forget and you forgive it. Like, and you forgive it. Yeah. That's the whole Easter story is like, yeah. hell's not forever. It, you'll emerge. You come out. I don't just mean circumstantially. I mean much bigger picture than that. Yeah. It's not all things happen for a reason. Don't worry. You're going to get that next job or that next romantic partner. It's It's bigger than that. It's like my mom bothering me. You go, yes, burn what you want truth and life and light and eternal eternal truth more than anything. Yeah. So you drop it, you drop it, you drop it. And life graciously gives you all of this practice. Mm-hmm. There's always going to be another person that annoys you. There's mm-hmm. always going to be another Uber driver that's chewing his gum too loud or podcast host. And you just go, <laughs> you just go, this is what's happening. Right. Burn me up. Yeah. <laughs> Burn me up. Yeah. And that is, it's, it is in the act of going through hell. So he also says, uh, the message is that there is no darkness that you could go into or no hell that you could go into that Christ isn't with you the entire time. Right. And then you come out of it and you, you completely, you say, who cares? You, you forgive it. You, you let it go. And that takes all the power out of it. It's, it's when we, so for me, that's, that is parallel with your body has maybe an uncomfortable, scary sensation and it lets it go and it moves on. It's only when our minds go, God, that was scary. Is that going to come back? Right. I, I, am I still feeling it? Am I feeling it now? Am I feeling it now? That's like the version of you ascend out of hell with Christ. And you're like, that was so terrifying. Are we going to ever have to do that again? What do you, you know? Right, it's like, right. you're still in hell. It's like then. a kid leaving the doctor and you're like, are we ever going to have to do that again? Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely. just, it's extending hell. But if you can forgive it and let it go, then there's no power to it. It really is like, so what? Who cares? <laughs> it's funny. My mom, of course, mentioned Christmas, which is like a year away. And I was like, oh, there's vaccine questions and weird issues in my family with different opinions about the vaccine and safety stuff. And where are we going to be with COVID? And that's why I like that verse where Jesus says it's in Luke as well. My father-in-law told me and Derek, your brother, my brother-in-law. It's also in Luke. I love it. Jesus says there was a man who says, I'm going to pick so much wheat and put it in silos that I'll never have to worry again. And that night he died. That's it's like it's the joke that I tell all the time that Ramdas to, told me the rabbi is going to temple on a Saturday and a policeman says where are you going and the rabbi says I don't know mm-hmm. and he says what do you mean you don't know where are you going and the rabbi says I don't know and the cop gets irate and says that's it you're coming with me you're clearly going to temple you're a rabbi it's Saturday and throws him in prison for being uh, insubordinate yeah. and then the rabbi goes see yeah that's letting it go what that's real presence is going this is what's happening that's you making toast yeah and i could start dreading a christmas visit 
that might not even happen. And then tonight I die. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. but tonight I get burned up. Yeah. But he wasn't he wasn't the deal anyway. Right. Hundred years, as Ray Romano said on this podcast, all new people. Yeah. So it's not the whole show. Yeah. It's not the whole show. It's just you clinging. I matter. I'm important. My problems matter. One of the great epiphanies I had listening to my mom's problems or also hilariously, her reading her Facebook feed to me, <laughs> I was like... Which is just what every mom does. It's what they do. The I go, everything she's saying is her problem, is her issue, is what she's grinding away in her mind. Yeah. And I'm sitting over here and I'm like, none of this matters to me. Yeah. Yet my own Facebook feed, my own problems seems so real. Yeah. And I can't... But I can drop yours like that. Yeah. Well, then do it for yourself. That's right. What do you? What were you worried about a year ago? Is what we were. What were you worried about yesterday at this time? You can't even remember, so it can't be the real juice. Yeah. The real juice is what's been with you, no matter what Pete believed, no matter what Pete was doing. Was he in hell? Was he in heaven? What was the constant? That's that's what we're after. The constant, yeah. and that's the mother I met on my trip, and that's the mother that gives you life. Yeah. It goes like, it's life. It's this. Yeah. And anything else is just a, a gotta go. Yeah. And it is like the, um, it, it just makes me think of, it goes back to the Richard Rohr thing, but that is the same thing as the Fred Davis quote that we, I think, mentioned in the last episode, which is, there is nowhere where awareness doesn't exist because there would have to be awareness there to say, no awareness here. Right. So, so you are, <laughs> and if you ever aren't, nothing. Right. Right. <laughs> Which right. is a terrible way to explain it, but that's you. You either get that or you don't. Like that's right. right. You know, it's just it. It's like either you will be, you will be there because awareness is there, or you won't. Like death. Or you won't. And then well, that's awareness it. is not there. So, <laughs> And there's a non-spiritual way to get comfort in that too, yeah. which is Epicurus or Epicurus. I think it's Epicurus said. It's Bicurious. Bicurious <laughs> said, why would I fear death when death is I am not when I am death is not. Yeah. The spiritual approach to that is awareness was never born and never died. And yes. you're just sort of, it's sort of renting you. Yes. And when you drop it, it doesn't go anywhere. There's, I, it's hard to get into this space, but I'm like, you think when you die, is there's there's narcissism on both ends of it. You think you die and you go to heaven and you party with Jesus and your bill and you owned a, a sporting goods store in Duluth or whatever. <laughs> That's a type of narcissism. I, I certainly forgive it. I just mean it's it's pretty self centered. It's pretty self important yeah. to be like Bill can't die. Uh-huh. Bill's going to go and party with Jesus. Uh-huh. That's got a lot of self-importance. It's equally self-important to say, when I die, the, when this body dies, the miracle of life that is looking out my eyes, yeah. it goes away too. Right, right. There's, there's sort of narcissism on either end of that. Sure. And that's what makes me go like, it's probably way weirder than we can consider. Uh-huh. But I think it's like a dream upon waking. You wake up and... I had crazy dreams about looking for parking spots last night. I don't know why. Mm. And you wake up and, as Terrence McKenna said, before your feet hit the floor, those impossible worlds, those gorgeous, full-color, technicolor experiences are completely gone. Mm. 
But what was there in the dream? Awareness. What was here when I woke up? Awareness. That's why I can't, I never want to turn my back on the pursuit of living spirit because it's the real thing. Yeah. I, I, it seems like the only thing, if we were saying on our my birthday, I was like, unfortunately, I think we've gotten to the point where we can't really be close, close, close friends with people who at least want to talk about this stuff. Who, who don't want to talk about this stuff. We want them to want to talk about this stuff. Yes. But there's, there's non-spiritual examples. Matt and Corinne, Matt Berninger, mm-hmm. they love talking about this stuff. Yeah. They don't share our exact beliefs, but they want to talk about it. Yes. They want to play thought experiments. They want to get into it. But if it's just sort of like uninteresting or yeah or cut and dry for them yeah it's sort of boring yeah for me absolutely it can be boring or it can feel counterproductive i also just remembered though this is going to sound contradictory to what you just said even though i really think that that is true but there is like i think what i am finding in my own life uh, and then interesting in the friends that I have is that you go through all of this, go deep dive into the depths of your own programming and the nature of reality and all of that, and then arrive on back on the surface in a way that – so remember, I think Richie Rohr said – I think it was him during the Easter service said like sometimes the surface is exactly where you want to be. Yeah, that's right. Like, and that's no deep thoughts. That's really like... It's deep and simple. That's the combo. Yeah. You you don't... I hear what you're saying because I'm thinking that you have some friends that may not be down to clown as hard as we like to clown in this area. Yeah. And yet they're gorgeous. Yes. But so is my my mom. Again, mom, if you've made it this far, (laughs) I didn't really take drugs. Um, (laughs) By the way, at one point she said... My chiropractor asked me if this part of your book was true. And I said, none of it's true. It's a book. And I go, mom, it's all true. And she goes, get out of here. It's not true. And I was like, wow, is this the movie Memento? Because we're just building our own reality. You're talking to the author. He's telling you it's true. And you're like, none of that's true. Um, what were we saying? Sorry. Um, uh, every time you do that, I can't remember. But it was good. Um, we were talking about... Uh, oh no, it slipped. Oh, I got a woman. Oh, being on the surface, and your mom is that way. Right. Keeping it simple and deep. You want to be deep and simple, mi- middle way. Yeah. The middle way of things. You want to be too deep. You don't want to be too simple. Um, but so my mom, I thought about putting on one of my favorite Richard Rohr talks that you can find on YouTube. He's quite young in it, but it's excellent. Um, but then I was like, God is here. This is how God is coming to me. Yeah. And I don't always have to have like a deep conversation where we both... I, I was reading her quote from Richard Rohr. Um, I was reading to her every morning from just this. And non-duality came up. And I, I just go, do you know what non-duality is? And she goes, thinking about two things at once. Yeah. And, and I was like, uh, no. And then I tried to explain it for a while. And it's not that she can't understand it. Yeah. But I realized I was like... What am I doing? Yeah. There's a fresh new lesson, yeah. a fresh new teaching in front of me. Yeah. I don't just need to have her agree and talk in my vocabulary. Yes. Because what's ha- God comes to us disguised as our lives. Yeah. And that's another way of arguing with reality. Mm. Is saying, 
it's only sacred, it's only divine, it's only real, if you're talking about it in the same sacred, divine, and real terms that I use, is a complete waste and shuts you off to so much of life. By the way, that was another great thing in that Richard Rohr service. He didn't say it, but somebody said in the intro, they were like, when you believe that bad people are going to hell, uh, it, it bleeds into your everyday life where there's people suffering or people struggling, and you kind of believe that it's their fault. Yeah. That toxicity bleeds out into this reality. Yeah. Where you're like, yeah, well, if you're in hell, it's your fault. Yeah. And compassion goes out the window and all, and, and recognizing the grace that's been given to you that you're not suffering or whatever it might be. Yep. It, it just becomes a, a members only jacket. Yes. All right. Oh, amazing. I, um, I have to pee so bad. I have read this poem before but it's my poem on fire Ooh. so i feel like it should be how we end but i mean i don't even think it was that long ago that i read it so sorry for everybody for the repeat let's read it next week and then it'll be a three-peat a three-peat my computer i can't believe it's letting me open spotify let's see if it'll let me play this this will be good music it's not gonna do it um, let me see. I don't know. Sorry for this dead air. Jesus. That's okay. I shouldn't be touching anything on this computer. That's for <laughs> certain. Here, I'll play. I'll just play. Okay, here. I got it. I got it. Okay. Are you going to play music? We'll see if it does. We'll see what happens. Oh, here we go. Oops, something went wrong with the playback. All right, it's fine. It's fine. Um, okay. One day, I don't remember... Ooh. ooh. One day, I don't remember exactly when. I just fell in love with fire. It's like I finally got it. How something can be both destructive and comforting, wild and domestic, a painful celebration, and a complicated friend. Whom, oh, sorry, a complicated friend. I wrote this and I can't do it. Um, a painful celebration, a complicated friend, whom you cannot touch but must lean in close to feel. A sharp tongue mother licking away the afterbirth. Wow. Our first greeting into this existence is water, then wind, then earth. They are our companions in our early years. It's only after we've spent time in the darkness, chilled to the bone, in a trance of separation, cursed to hold the burden of generations of pain, all on our own. It is then, and not a moment sooner, that we are ready to meet the fire. Orange light dancing on cave walls, illuminating the stories of our ancestors. Calloused, bloody hands turning the spit. Mothers dancing, skin exposed in celebration of the dangerous light by which we lived. Only then can we appreciate the light. Only then can we really feel the warmth. Only then, when we have too much to carry, can we welcome destruction. I mean, that poem had to have sunk into my subconscious because that's exactly mm. what this past week has been. Yeah. 
And again, Mom, if you heard this, we loved your visit and we love you. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And that poem was amazing, Valerie. I love it so much. Thank you, baby. That is what you were doing. What a great fire mm-hmm. episode. Yeah. I really hope if anybody gets the same juice out of that that I did, whether it's your shit, shitty job or weird family visit or bad date or whatever it might be. Uh, it's such a thrill. I, I feel like I have a, I have like a gun in my holster for the first time. Like I have something to do when things suck yeah. that will make it be like, it's what is, it's what is yeah. burn me down. Yeah. Oh God, I can't say it enough. Yeah. All right, everybody. We missed you last week. So glad we could do it with you this week. Yeah. Oh, and this is East Forest. It's an album called Held. Yeah. Okay. Keep Keep it it crispy. crispy. Motherfuckers.